Time for the Drive's Top 4 at 4. Hour number two of the drive underway here on Fan Run Radio, and we are live this afternoon at Parkside Kia in West Knoxville doing the thing, and before we send things back to Tucker Harlan, Tucker, do you have the major breaking news that just came down five minutes ago? Five minutes ago. I'll take that as a no, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and take number one for you on the top four at four okay are we buddy? sure this would be number one and uh, i'm gonna step yeah, on no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and, <laughs> oh, and i see it now whatever his number one story is yeah it, it is it's it's definitely more important adam sparks of the knoxville news sentinel reporting that a federal judge in tennessee has granted a preliminary injunction suspending ncaa rules regarding name image and likeness benefits for athletes and indirectly easing the stress for the University of Tennessee amid an NCAA investigation. Tennessee may have slain the NCAA today, Houston. Bye-bye. <laughs> was, that, was that the drop? No, that was me. <laughs> that was unreal. Wow. Victory for the attorneys general in Tennessee and Virginia in their lawsuit against the NCAA and potentially for UT in its fight with the NCAA over NIL rules. And the injunction was granted in the Eastern Tennessee District by Judge Clifton Corker. Clifton Leland Corker, his honorable. Found that NIL rules caused irreparable damage to athletes. The states argued that NIL rules must be suspended immediately because recruits are losing leverage without the ability to negotiate their fair market value in the NIL space and that UT's reputation is stained by the NCAA's unfair investigation focused on NIL rules enforcement. And we'll read from the decision here. Again, Tennessee... The state winning its preliminary injunction against the NCAA today. Uh, The decision reads, for the reasons provided herein, plaintiff's motion for preliminary injunction is granted. It is hereby ordered that effective immediately defendant NCAA, its servants, agents, and employees, and all persons in active or participation with the NCAA are restrained and enjoined from enforcing the NCAA interim NIL policy, the NCAA. NCAA bylaws or any other authority to the extent such authority prohibits student athletes from negotiating compensation for NIL with any third party entity, including but not limited to boosters or a collective of boosters until a full and final decision on the merits in the instant action. But as anybody who kept up with this case knows, guys, this is once you once the court says that. They don't go back on that, (laughs) okay? There's no way, there's no world where this goes to trial and the NCAA is able to flip what the judge just said. So this is it, and this is what I've been telling you guys, is like the the NCAA doesn't win in these cases. Whenever they try and limit an individual's ability to earn money based on their name, image, and likeness, they don't win. These issues have been decided, and this is – a major victory, not only for the state and the attorney general who, who brought this, Skirmetti and, 
his counterparts in Virginia, but for Donnie Plowman, Danny White, Randy Boyd. Absolutely. And Tennessee fans all over the globe. Good for them, man. I mean, I think we all kind of maybe blinked a little bit when they fired back as quickly and as harshly as they did, but obviously today proves it was the right decision. They went to bat for their university. They took it to the courts. The courts have decided. And the NCAA, what's their next move now? I mean, you talk about painting it into a corner. Do you want to you want to take this out for another year and a half and then lose, or do you just kind of fade away? I, I think it's going to be the latter. Uh, yeah, I feel like I mean this is almost like a it's like when the wall came down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's over. I, I mean, I'm <laughs> just saying. I mean, I, this is this may be the thing. I always thought it would be there would be some kind of line of demarcation, and this may be it. Where you know the wall came down, everything changed. Well, and I was never terribly, you know, personally worried about uh, this affecting Tennessee football. I, I suppose it's something that we've had to combat on the photo, uh, the recruiting calls and stuff like that the past couple of weeks. Right. But this just further reemphasizes that, hey, man, we get to go on with our special season that we're hoping to have this season. Uh, we got Polynesian Peyton at the controls, man. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do this thing and, and get this program back where it's supposed to be. Great day. Great day for Tennessee football. Tucker, at I number, send things back to you. All right. At number two, Tennessee baseball begins its three-game weekend series here in about 25 minutes against Albany. Uh, first pitch Saturday is at two, and first pitch Sunday is at one. A.J. Russell and Drew Beam will start Friday and Saturday. The Sunday starter has not yet been announced for the Vols. You got a guess, Russ? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go with Snead. Okay, me. That was what I was going to go with. I like that. I Uh, I think he earned it. He was dominant in that game on Sunday. He was good. Yeah. Tucker. At number three, Tennessee basketball hosts a revenge match tomorrow in Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center against Texas A&M. Tip-off is at eight. The game airs on ESPN. Vols are an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. Roy Philpott and Pat Bradley will have the call for you. Uh, that's according to UT Sports. Now, I've seen other sources that say it's Ravitch and Jimmy Dykes. That's that's according to Rocky Top Insider and the ESPN announcer schedule. Hmm. I'm reading from uh, the UTSports.com um, and uh, Tennessee's game notes. They've got Philpott and Bradley. Yeah. It, it, it is kind of weird that if, if this game is on ESPN, that seems like that's kind of their B team for a Saturday night ESPN game, right? Yeah, I would yeah, think so. Phil Pot and Bradley, that sounds like an SEC Network game crew. Yeah, but I wonder if A&M hadn't been on a three-game losing skid, if that would have right, yeah. would have had their uh, – we would have had uh, – maybe they had to keep us on ESPN. When like is on, Kentucky-Bama game? It's at three. Uh, yeah, it's like three or four, isn't it? I thought it was is that, at 4 o'clock. Is that ESPN? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but I know it's like, remember, because Cal, that's why they, he can only take three questions. He had an early <laughs> start time on Saturday. You remember? Uh, I hope that getting out of that press conference, I mean, I'm, I'm serious, because we need Kentucky. We need a little help mm. from our friends up in the coal mines. I'm hoping that that was advantageous getting out of there and not having to 
stand up there and take the slings and arrows of all those naughty, naughty Kentucky media members. And finally, at number four in the world of college basketball, there is just one ranked matchup outside of the SEC. That's between number two Houston and number 11 Baylor and Waco. In the SEC, some games to keep an eye on. Number 20 South Carolina has a rematch at Ole Miss. Gamecocks barely held them off in Columbia the first time around. Number 14 Auburn travels to Georgia with the first of two matchups with the Bulldogs. And as we just alluded to, number 13 Alabama heads north to take on number 17 Kentucky. Big weekend. Kind of a, a, a turning point weekend potentially in the race for the SEC and number one and number two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, this feels like moving weekend. You said it, but tomorrow night when the dust settles, I think we'll know a lot about not only the SEC regular season race, but yeah, seedings around the conference. Um, it sounds like A&M's, uh, are they on the bubble right now? Did I see that earlier today, Tucker? They're kind of fighting a little bit to get their spot. Yeah, you know, they're the biggest mystery to me right now in the SEC just because you look at some of the wins they've gotten, like the win mm-hmm. against Tennessee, and then some of the ones they've had before SEC play started. But then you look at this last little stretch. I mean, the losses that they've got Vandy and then twice at Arkansas, or against Arkansas, rather. Bad. Um, they're, they're bad losses. It's hard to tell you know, how you classify this team just because of the differences and the way they've played in these games. Thank you, Tucker. That is the top four at Forts brought to you by Parkside Kia, where we are for another two hours here on the drive. 9929 Parkside Drive. Come on, check us out. Check out this EB9 that uh, Houston and I have been fawning over during the breaks here. Uh, Check out a new Telluride Sportage Forte. Soul. They've got it all for you here at Parkside Kia. Check them out online, parksidekia.com. More today on the NCAA ruling that has just come down. If you're just joining us right now, the injunction has been granted. A decision that will have a seismic impact on college sports as recruits now and transfers, but high school kids. I mean, this, this is what this means. They can negotiate and sign NIL contracts before enrolling at a university without fear of uh, this little dance we've had to do with the Nico deal where it's like hush, hush, wink, wink, grin, grin. I mean, this is – you can do it now. This is legal according to the injunction. And I mean, I mean is this the ball game, Russell? Is this the day we'll look back on? Is the day the NCAA died? So- well, I, I, I don't know about that, but I, I think in regards to our current situation with them, the university's situation and this investigation and them sitting down with Dondi and not taking the meeting with Baker and all this stuff, this investigation, the we're going to roll Nico ineligible and you're not going to be eligible for the playoff, all, all that's done. That's done. They can't mess with us. And like I just said, they're not going to flip-flop on this. This is not. There's no world in where this injunction is granted, it goes to court, and the NCAA comes up with some new argument that sways a federal judge to rule in their favor. That's not going to happen. So I, I don't know the the bigger picture. You know, is this the whatever you said the death knell for the NCAA? I don't. I don't know. I, like I, I feel like there's probably. A, more twists and turns and steps to be taken to get wherever it is we're going with college sports. But the 
the, the small it. picture for Tennessee football and this particular investigation, I think it's over today. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I mean, it's, it's, this is truly a free open market now. Oh, and, and the boys at Spire can do work because, <laughs> you know, they, they've been lauded as being one of the best NIL collectives in the business, in the game out there for, for years now. And they can go about their work in recruiting, um, you know, wh- whoever the big recruits are right now for Tennessee football. David Sanders, the five-star offensive tackle from North Carolina that we're after. Cam Sparks down there in Chattanooga. Um, the Cunningham kid from Mississippi. We can recruit those guys, bring them to town on visits, sit them down with Spire and, and make our pitch. And we don't have to worry about some creep from the NCAA saying, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh, can't do that. I guess we still can't decorate the rooms the way we want to. No, 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 they come don't, in for the... <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare put those Reese cups on the pillow. They have to be in the lobby upon entry to the hotel. I mean, you, you think, I wonder if... <laughs> you think Corker saw that yesterday? <laughs> that was the final. Was like, he's yeah, like, he's like, hey, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just done with these guys, these people, idiots. I, again, I, I don't think that had to do. I, I don't think he's looking at the investigation or anything. I, I think he's just doing what judges are supposed to do and applying the law. And as I've said for weeks now, like the, these issues have been decided. We've already been to court on this stuff and the fed the supreme court has, has ruled on this nine nothing by the way nine nothing and so i mean anyway. i just yeah it, it goes back to what kavanaugh said he told him at the end of that thing when he you know he basically told him he, he didn't see how they could enforce any of their rules with the injunction adam sparks writes at knoxnews.com the NCAA will have a difficult time enforcing the most serious charges regarding NIL. After all, it would be attempting to punish a school for breaking rules in the past that are unenforceable and potentially illegal in the present. Judge Corker wrote in his opinion in a denied temporary restraining order on February 6, quote, considering the evidence currently before the court, plaintiffs, the state, are likely to succeed on the merits of their claim under the Sherman Act. So, it's already said, like, where, where this is headed, and this just makes it easier to get there. What a day. Glad they didn't do this yesterday. We were busy, so I'm glad they saved this for the the Friday news dump, but they didn't wait too late. They gave us enough meat on the bone to chew on this. I mean, this is... I don't know. It's weird when you're in it. Like, you, you don't want to overstate it, but can you really overstate the gravity of what just took place? Like, we're joking about it, but this really might be. No, I'm not. I wasn't joking at all. The hardest strike the NCAA has had to endure. I'm just picturing Josh Heupel right now sitting up in his office, kicking his feet up on his desk and lighting a big old stogie with a smile 10 feet wide on his face he's probably watching film get you some of that NCAA 
How do you think Pat Forty's feeling about now? <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's cracked open a box of Franzia and the tears are flowing. <laughs> Damn, Houston. What? I didn't wow. say he had a tube or a siphon or anything. Just... <laughs> He's a cat. He, he, oh. he does it the old fashioned way, you're saying? <laughs> goes in upstairs yeah not down all right uh, we got to take a quick time out our old pal lucas panzica is going to join on this festive day of days when we continue you're listening to the drive live from parkside kia back with more right after this the drive This afternoon from Parkside Kia in West Knoxville. It is a glorious Friday afternoon here in East Tennessee, made even more glorious by the news that the state has been granted an injunction against the NCAA. News coming down just moments ago. Suddenly the sun rustles a little brighter, the air a little fresher on this fine Friday at Parkside Kia. Beer's going to be a little bit colder tonight. A little chilly it will be. Lucas Padzika of 104.5 The Zone and Titans Radio is on the phone with us. A proud graduate of the Fan Run Academy of Broadcasting, or FAB, as we sometimes refer to it around these parts. Lucas, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Afternoon, guys. I am fantastic. Happy Victory Friday to y'all. Victory <laughs> Friday, indeed. Lucas, uh, your, your thoughts, your reaction to the news that just came down that Tennessee, it looks like they are going to win this battle against the they've certainly won this battle and uh, you know if the war if you could call it such doesn't seem to be going any better for the ncaa either no this this felt like the spot that we were headed right clifton corker kind of alluded to it i, I think this is the place that we all expected to be but nothing is guaranteed and there was probably some battered ball syndrome swimming around in a lot of our heads that said what if this all goes terribly wrong but the biggest question for me was, when is it going to come down? And so that day is today, and now it's the ball's in the NCAA's court, right? Like, what happened? To my knowledge, Tennessee has not received a notice of allegations. So so what's next here? Uh, are, are they backing off? Are, are they going to just kind of try and sink deeper into this thing? Because uh, clearly, if they're reading the room, it's not quite going their way, and I don't know what there would be to suggest anything that would say uh, that it's going to start bouncing their way. No, it is like I, I keep telling folks here, Lucas, these issues have been decided. We've already done this in court. And, uh, you know, every time the NCAA tries to limit a student athlete's ability to earn, uh, it always gets shot down. And, you know, this has already been decided in the Supreme Court. Nine nothing, by the way, not much of a dissent. And <laughs> as you alluded to, that's what the judge in this case kind of said and when when he first wrote his opinion about the temporary restraining order a couple of weeks ago and I, I just don't see any world where you know at the NCAA as you said it's the balls in their court if they want to take this to trial or, or whatever I just don't see any way that they are able to come up with some new argument to persuade a judge against what has been said today so uh, what is what does the tailspin that is about to follow look like across college sports. I mean, help me out. Like, I know you guys have covered this very closely 
we've tried to get people on uh, that that are covering it, whether it's the VolQuest guys or Adam Sparks to kind of educate us on it. But as far as the NIL rules freezing, is that something that we expect to take place across all institutions and all student athletes involved with the NCAA? Or is that something that we only expect to take place within the states of Tennessee and Virginia? I think it has been happening, which is, you know, why the the NCAA has has drugged Tennessee into this thing, um, and and it's against NCAA rules, but it's a, also it's it's against the law to to uh, prohibit these athletes from doing it. So I, I don't think anything really changes. I think it just becomes a little bit more out in the open now. For instance, the guys at Spire, who I'm sure you're familiar with, Lucas, like yeah. they they will be able when when Tennessee brings recruits in to to visit. Knoxville, they'll be able to sit down with these guys without fear of repercussions from the NCAA, without having to couch their language or anything, and they'll be able to make a presentation and say, this is exactly what you can expect to earn if you come to the University of Tennessee. And then the athletes can go to a visit at Ohio State or Georgia or wherever else they want to go, get similar proposals from those NIL collectives, and make the decision that's best for them. I think that that's really all that means is that what has been happening anyway is now legal. I will say I, I do not envy the job of the NCAA attorneys in this whole process trying to uh, <laughs> decipher to a judge the difference between having a conversation and having a negotiation. Like how, how thin of a line are we talking about there? I mean, how, how, uh, how thin of ground are you standing on when – uh, you're talking about having a conversation with a couple of wink weeks. And when does that turn into a negotiation? It definitely was a shaky model to begin with. So happy to know we're circumventing that foolishness from here on out. Uh, but like the rest of college football, we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants with this thing. So that, that amount of time between now and whenever there is some sort of structure to all of this, which who knows when that's going to happen, how much can Tennessee pounce on it and take advantage? Right, like how much of an of a window, an opportunity is this for Tennessee with its setup and the structure that is right now with Spire Sports and that collective? How much of an advantage is that going to be with all that stuff out in the open and not even having to worry about the NCAA coming down on you? I just wonder how long that window will be and how much Tennessee can take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, I think we have been taking advantage of it. It's it's, it's how Tennessee got Nico, you know, is, yeah. is being able to, to do the stuff. It's just now the, the fear of repercussion is gone. I, I think you hit on it there, Lucas. Like the biggest thing is, you know, that the other vultures in this league and across the country have been hitting Tennessee with this on the recruiting trail for the past three or four weeks. Oh, you don't want to go there. They're going to rule Nico ineligible. They're going to be ineligible for the playoff, blah, 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 whatever. You know, I mean, anything goes in, in love and recruiting, and that's probably what Tennessee would be doing, what they should be doing if the shoe were on the other foot. But now they can say, uh, you know, look, this is I, – I, I doubt rival schools will even use that as a, a cudgel against the Vols anymore. I, I, I just think it's, it's pretty much over. So uh, we can go on with what hopefully LP will be a, a special season. For Tennessee with with Nico Iamaleava at quarterback and you know some some new toys for him to play with on on the offensive line and, and weapons all over the place and uh, should be a special season for the Big Orange. Well, it's a beautiful day, guys, when the NCAA can officially no longer enforce its own policy. Uh, it, today, like you guys said off the top, 
Beer's going to be a little colder. Sun's going to be shining a little brighter. <laughs> uh, regardless of what the future of college football looks like from here on out, it is it is kind of cool to sit here and think about the fact that this is a this feels like one of the most pivotal moments in in the history of this sport in regards to the NCAA and the control or lack thereof that it has over it. Like, are we going to be talking about that Supreme Court decision and this preliminary injunction hearing in, in this case? between Tennessee and the NCAA when we're looking 10, 20 years down the road and we're looking back at the fall of the NCAA. It's just interesting to think about how Tennessee is going to be talked about in that regard as a primary role player in the downturn of the NCAA being able to enforce any of its own policies. It's just so fascinating to me. And today, an awesome day. We are the Gandalf of this story. <laughs> we yes, shall not right. pass. We fell into the pit with the monster. We were thought dead, rose from the ashes, and took down the beast. <laughs> oh, man. Lucas Panzika with us this afternoon. The future is bright for Tennessee football. Uh, the future is murky at best for the NCAA. It'll be interesting to watch it all play out. You know, Lucas, uh, speaking of the future, we, we had you – booked before this broke and it, and it's fun to get your your thoughts on all this stuff there are a couple of other things i wanted to ask you about the future of sports in the great state of tennessee because i saw you and buck rising talking about this on the zone earlier this week uh the story that's been percolating up out there about major league baseball potentially yeah. coming to nashville has a lot of people excited about having a team to root for here in Tennessee in a, in a couple of years. But I, I was watching your video, and uh, you were basically saying, hey, it's it still sounds nice in theory, but until we get a couple of billion dollars, you know, who's got that lying around in their couch, it's still just a theory. That's exactly it. Yeah, I. it's just it's getting kind of exhausting to an extent, uh, Russell, because – Every time we think there's something new, like we get a new notification. This week it was uh, it was Jeff Passan and ESPN on, on Nashville as one of the two primary candidates for Major League Baseball expansion. And you think, okay, maybe there's something new there. Maybe there's something that, that is true now that wasn't before. And it's just rinse, repeat. Like we're doing this again where, yes, Nashville would be set up in terms of the market and the booming entertainment industry and all of those great things to be a major league baseball city, but until there is some sort of ownership structure in place, it's nowhere close to happening, nowhere close. And nothing's changed in that regard. So I feel bad because I know, like I I think back to how I felt when, when it became official that Nashville was going to be a major league soccer city. And, and just for me and what soccer has meant for me in my life and growing up and the passion that it is for me, just how monumental that was for me as someone born in Nashville the, th- the difference is that was John Ingram putting money down and saying there is going to be a soccer team in Nashville. There's nothing close to that. I mean, it's essentially a PR movement right now that is sitting there waiting for a billionaire to swoop in and make it happen. Yeah. So I, I almost do it because I feel bad for the, the, the thousands and thousands of true baseball fans that are from Nashville and that live in Nashville that probably get very excited when they see this, and it sounds like something that's coming down the pipe, and in five years we're going to have a new Nissan Stadium for the Titans and an MLB team. It's not the case. Like, we're nowhere close to it yet. And maybe in two, three years it, it, it happens and somebody ponies it up and a rich Nashville billionaire decides he wants baseball in Nashville. 
but we're not there yet. And I'm tired of people being gaslit into thinking that we are. It's gone as far as one or two years ago. Uh, Music City Baseball is kind of the is the sort of the I don't even know what to call it. A, the, the, yeah, the, the movement, the Dave firm, Stewart, the, yeah, yeah, the or, the organization that has that look that, that they've been listed Eddie George and Justin Timberlake and all these celebrities to promote <laughs> baseball in Nashville. But again, none of it matters if there's no ownership structure or no, nobody willing to pay that fee. Well, uh, they put out this mock-up of what a major league baseball stadium would look like in Nashville with like the, the pedestrian bridge <laughs> that comes from downtown emptying out into an MLB stadium that's next to Nissan stadium built on land that other people own. And it's like <laughs> people look at that stuff. They're not going to do the digging on it. They're going to say, Oh, this is happening. So I'm tired of people being gaslit into thinking that MLB and baseball is right around the corner when that is so far from the truth. Well, there are a bunch of people in, in this country and in this world, Lucas, and I shouldn't say a bunch, you can probably count them on, on two hands, but people who have lots of money who want to, who want to own and operate a, an NFL team or a major league baseball team or a soccer team or whatever, like they don't necessarily have to be from Nashville, right? If, if major league baseball is signaling, Hey, we want to be in Nashville and Salt Lake city. If I were one of these people, you know, like the Haslam's, for instance, um, they, you know, they had to go to Cleveland to make their NFL dream uh, possible. That's just one example. Like, is there somebody out there who would love to own a baseball team in Major League Baseball? It's like, yeah, you know, I'm from Portland, Oregon or wherever, but I would love to have this opportunity. So I'm going to go and align with Nashville and help make it happen there. Right. Like the Walton family is not from Denver, right? Walmart's headquarters are not in Denver, but the Walton family now owns the Denver Broncos. Josh Harris is not a Washington native, but Josh Harris is now the owner of the Washington Commanders. Absolutely. But the thing is, we don't really learn about those type of things until there's something substantial, right? Like we don't, we didn't learn that Nashville is getting an MLS team until we knew that John Ingram uh, was going to be the one footing the bill. It, It just, I, I understand it can happen down the road. And once it does, great. Like, more power to Nashville. Nashville is a booming city. An MLB team would do very well here. So I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I'm just tired of reading these lengthy articles about Nashville as a candidate for expansion and, like, buried deep in it at the bottom is like, yep, the final step is, you know, I don't know, five, six billion dollars if anybody around uh, has that line around and wants to pony up for it. So I, I just, next time I see something about MLB to Nashville, I want it to be substantial because it feels like we do this song and dance every year. Lucas Panzeca, 104.5 The Zone, Titans Radio in Nashville, our guest this afternoon. And, and Lucas, let's talk about the Titans real quick here. Uh, I read an article somewhere about one of these um, mock draft guys talking about Joe Alt. All the Titans fans want Joe Alt from Notre Dame, left tackle, first round pick. And uh, I saw somebody saying, eh, you know, I, I, I don't know if the film is there. Are we overvaluing the Notre Dame brand when we assess Joe Alt and what he might bring to the Titans at seven in the draft? So I, 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 I'm not sure if this is who you're referencing, but Greg Cosell of NFL Films was on our station That's yesterday, 3HL, yes. and, and does a ton of tape breakdown. And, yeah, he, he was out there saying, yeah, I don't love his film, uh, that he doesn't have a, a great base. He doesn't set himself in the best way. He's not necessarily the best anchor. 
Uh, Ramon Foster, uh, who obviously you guys know, and he's on our morning show, uh, I mean, he lost his mind over it. Ramon loves Joe Alt. I defer to Ramon on a lot of these things, and he, he used a fantastic metaphor. So really right now, but with the two tackle prospects at the top of this draft, it's Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu, right, out of Penn State. Ramon described Alt as a blanket and Fashanu as a wall. Where Joe Alt, it, it, it might not be crisp. It might not be exactly what's taught, but he's going to get the job done. Look, the results kind of speak for themselves. I'm not really concerned about the Notre Dame tie kind of ballooning his, his uh, you know, his status as a draft prospect. I'm a big fan of Joe Alt, and we, we can nitpick, and there's plenty that are. But at the end of the day, I think you're looking at two prospects in Alt and Fashanu that have a very, very high floor. Alt, to me, is kind of the high ceiling guy. I'm not going to pretend like I'm watching offensive line tape and breaking down the X's and O's of it, but he's a guy that's done nothing but get the job done during his time at Notre Dame, and that 6'8", 300-plus-pound frame is fascinating for Bill Callahan, the new offensive line coach, to get his hands on and be able to work with. I would be all in on Joe Alt as the future left tackle of the Tennessee Titans. I know last time I was with you guys, I think it was right after the Callahan hire, we were talking about just the idea of, look, Bengals picked wide receiver over offensive line, uh, and, and Brian Callahan was on the wide receiver side of the aisle. But I think you're in a spot where you can, almost in one swift motion, in back-to-back drafts, after taking Skaronsky last year and taking whichever one of those two tackles at seven this year, hammer down the left side of your offensive line if it works, right, for the next 10 years. And the allure of that is just, it's too much for me to look away from and say, no, go get the best wide receiver prospect. Now, I could be talked into Brock Bowers, right? If we think Brock Bowers is this generational talent at tight end that can affect the game in all these different ways, that can be a playmaker that makes almost as much of an impact as a true wide receiver one, I could be talked into that. But with the wide receiver position, there's so many ways the Titans can address that with a how deep the wide receiver class is this year in the draft and the names that are floating out there in free agency and with the money the titans have to work with i I think i have settled uh in on just hammering down the left side of that o-line whether it's alt and whether it's fashanu with that seventh overall pick doubts are going to creep up i'm sure about both of those guys but at the end of the day i think everybody's going to be kind of in agreement that the floor is really high for either one of them and it's somebody that Bill Callahan can work with and mold to just set the future of the left side of your offensive line. And that is something that should appeal to any Titans fan. Here, here. Yeah, Lucas, I, I was, uh, I was intrigued when the, the Bowers, the, the Bowers talk started. Yeah. I, and I wondered with all the cap room that the Titans have, if they couldn't address their offensive line through free agency and then use that pick to, to bring in a, a potential, you know, franchise player in, in Bowers. With a, I mean, he's got an incredibly high ceiling. So, and then the only, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is a, any T. Higgins talk and um, all the talk about how, I don't know if, if you have talked about on your show that, uh, that allegedly there's a lot of players that want to, that are telling people they want to go to the Titans and. Well, with, with T. Higgins, uh, it sounds like he's a franchise tag candidate for the Bengals. So that's kind of been the talk out of Cincinnati. Uh, yes, he's a free agent, 
but if he gets the tag, you're talking about making just over twenty million a year or, or twenty million for the one year, and then they'd likely pay Jamar Chase, make him probably the highest paid wide receiver in football. Uh, but Albert Breer, I know, reported last Friday T. Higgins could be a tag and trade candidate, and and I, I was interested that Titans fans, at least on our end, kind of met that with a lot of hesitancy. The idea of giving up draft capital for T. Higgins to come in on a one-year deal as a franchise tag player uh, because of all the different ways you can address the wide receiver position. Now, the second part of that, Bear, Higgins was asked about it at the Super Bowl, right, about playing for Brian Callahan, coming back home to Tennessee, and said that would be ideal to come back home, to come play for his former offensive coordinator. I know DeAndre Hopkins is commenting on T. Higgins' Instagram posts with sword emojis and, and looking like trying to recruit him to the Titans. I do think this is a place that people want to be in terms of the relationships that brought uh, guys like defensive coordinator Denard Wilson here. Uh, I mean, a lot of the staff members that have been brought in, whether it's Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach, there's been a pretty common thread, which has been fascinating, that have brought these coaches and, as we get into free agency, maybe players to Nashville, and that's Rand Carthon. I don't know if Rand Carthon is if we're going to look at the Carthon era in Tennessee as, as, as he was excellent at drafting players, made the right moves in free agency, all those things, I have no idea. But I feel confident in saying now that Rand Carthon is enough of a relationship guy to get people to Nashville. Denard Wilson was a hot commodity as a defensive coordinator, and he chose to come to Nashville in large part because of Rand, the relationship he had with him and wanting to work under him. Now, how that translates to players I don't know. Uh, that'll be interesting to look at down the road as Rand is doing these negotiations and we get more into free agency here in, in a week or two's time after the combine. But I do think that Nashville is kind of trending that way with the relationships that Brian Callahan, Bill Callahan, his staff, and Rand Carthon have. But in terms of T. Higgins, it, the writing on the wall right now is that you would have to trade for him. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what the Titans would be willing to give up in the draft where they have so many needs, right, and and they only have seven picks to work with. Very interesting stuff. Lucas, appreciate it, my friend. Great to hear your voice on our airwaves again here on Fan Run. Uh, congratulations again on all your success. Nashville will be listening to The Zone in the coming weeks. And we hope you have a wonderful weekend, my friend. Happy Victory Friday, guys. Appreciate y'all. Talk to y'all soon. <laughs> Indeed. Lucas Widespread Panzeca, 104.5 The Zone and Titans Radio checking in. And if you were just chiming in in the middle of that conversation and you're hearing Victory Friday, well, what on earth could he be alluding to? Well, big news. Tennessee wins its request for an injunction against the NCAA today. The temp, the um, uh, what are the permanent, inju- the not permanent, inju- temporary. the temporary. No, that was the restraining order. The injunction, preliminary, preliminary. Is what I'm looking for. That's a good, good word. Preliminary, preliminary injunction granted in the state of Tennessee and Virginia's case against the NCAA today. This basically means that Tennessee's NIL collectives and collectives all across the country are free to do business in the world of recruiting high school athletes. Big news, a lot to unpack. We're underway at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and we will check in on the early action there when we continue. 865-546-8200, your number to get on board. 546-8200 if you want to chime in this afternoon on the show. More Fan Run Radio coming up. The The Drive. Drive. 
The drive continues. Russell, Bear, Houston Crest, chilling with you. Tucker Harlan will greet you as you call in this afternoon, 865-546-8200. Lucas Panzeca, The Zone, and Nashville Bear, what did you learn? Uh, that Ramon thinks that uh, the alt guy is... Uh, would, is that would good be, enough for you? Yeah, because like Lucas, uh, I mean, who am I to, to, you know, I have a lot of respect for Ramon Foster and his I opinion on it. Yeah, I didn't hear the Greg Cosell segment that precipitated that, but it, it did come across my desk earlier this week and was wanting to get his thoughts on it. But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we do that. that. That's part of the... The, the criticism that I think is, is coming Caleb Williams's way. It's like, look, if he didn't play at USC, you know, and uh, I, I do think that there is this vision we have in our heads of Notre Dame offensive linemen and these guys, they're just tough guys that put their hand in the dirt and all this. And like, I, I don't know. I, I think you, you better do your homework if you're the Titans before you draft him or anybody else. Um, but it did get yeah. Food for thought. Yeah, and and don't you definitely? I mean, with the number seven misses, uh, could be a franchise changing pick if you make the right pick. So uh, you got to make sure. Um, the other the the Nashville baseball uh, stuff is is interesting and in how just uh, I I don't know I'm always just kind of amazed at the you know all the politics and. Just the massive amounts of money they're involved yeah. in an endeavor like that. It's such smoke-filled room stuff when you oh, talk yeah. about where they put these teams. Um, well, I, you know, the more I think about it, I don't know that we need baseball in Nashville. I know there are a lot of people that, that look forward to it. I think it would be cool, but uh, this is Braves country. I don't see – I just – I don't know, man. It's there, There's a lot of people that would have a hard time I'm switching allegiances, I think. O- over time, I think it could work, and I, I do think people would go there, but uh, we're a Brave station, and we got Tony Vitello in the baseball Vols, Houston Crest. How's it going early in the game? Yeah, 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. In a second. Uh, I mean, I tried to tell this guy he wants to you put Christian, Christian Moore, Moore third. Put, put him in the leadoff spot. What do I know? Just some guy. Just who, some guy. Who... You know, made his uh, his call for CMO to be in leadoff, and maybe just maybe we had our biggest offensive output of the season. I don't know. Did go ten and four, coaching eight and under basketball. Yeah, it's a pretty good winning percentage. I feel like, but <laughs> you know, don't have to listen to me. I, I get it. It's a different sport. Um, one thing I do know: the NCAA is running scared this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Vanquished is what they are. Is it Charlie? Uh, Charlie Baker feels like it, it stole his thunder from his big uh, groundbreaking <laughs> rule change yesterday. Yeah, regarding uh, uh, cookie cakes, uh, flaming hot Cheetos, and Gatorade. The interesting thing to me, remember, guys, the NCAA does not release statements about ongoing investigations or legal matters even though they have three times so far during ours. I'm wondering if they, uh, you know, accidentally dropped something today. I don't know. Pat Forty. Uh, his, oh, that's bomb. Bless. <laughs> that bomb. Tennessee gets a win. See you. Well, I, I want that 
<laughs> what? A, no two-page expose, what, yeah, that's, Pat? That's exactly what I tweeted at. I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we want the 2,000-word article that the NCAA got last month. You need to make this fair. Did you tweet him? Yes, I did. Really? No, <laughs> no Houston. <laughs> Vol rumor mill. Here go. Fight. He goes hard on Twitter, man. He ain't like me. Those guys ever respond to you? Mm, I got into it real big with Reese Davis one time. Really? Back before the 2012 Peach Bowl kickoff classic. So this against... is before you were on the air with oh, them. Yeah, this, this is before was you were the, the Vol Rumor Mill. I'm trying to think. Since then, mm, no. They pretty much steer clear of me. You've had some dust-ups locally, though. Oh, yeah, local stuff, sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. You're known beefer. <laughs> yeah. Who have you, you beefed with most locally? Ooh. Ooh. I know. It's one of two people. <laughs> <laughs> I know them both. Radio guys? Uh, No. One is a beat reporter, and the other hosts a uh, television show. Uh, <laughs> neither of them uh, comment about me or at me anymore though I guess they gave up sad I enjoyed, sad. I enjoyed like the, I said uh, our boy goes hard man I enjoyed the practice I feel like if if you're talking about who I think you're talking about and I don't know either of them well but I I, I feel like if they took the time to get to know you and maybe vice versa I love you, but uh, maybe you're not completely blameless in these scenarios. I, I just feel like if you could sit down in person oh. and break bread, I feel like uh, you all would get along. Maybe I can do that. Can I, uh, like Jimmy Carter, broker uh, a lunch between you and your two social media nemeses? And, sure, because I totally agree. And we can all have a laugh. And we could be fun. And, friends, and you can turn your your enemies into friends, and maybe we can have them on the show, and we can laugh and we can be buddies be kind of a face turn i'm all for it i don't know man that'd be almost <laughs> bigger than getting sadat and bacon together dude on one of them i'll just go ahead and tell you i mean put your business out there houston but i i had a front row seat for all those that would be something you would win i, I would dominate you for the nobel peace prize hmm i think i could do it i think i'd be could. like the don it'd be like don corleone rising from his deathbed to make peace in the wake of Santino's death, Russ. Hothead Houston Cress over here. Nah, that's not fair. Phil is next. Good afternoon, Phil. What's up, Philly? Good day, isn't it? Beautiful day. You know what also, what, what uh, an anniversary today, this day is? Is it 15 or 16 years since Bruce Pearl went into the FedEx Forum and tore down John Calipari's kingdom. Yeah, I just saw highlights on my phone. So what Chris a night that the game, game winning three throws. It's just beautiful. I mean, it, it's certainly the best. I was thinking about this earlier. It's certainly the best regular season moment in Tennessee basketball history. It might be, for, for a school that's done as little as we have done in the NCAA tournament, it might be the best moment in Tennessee basketball history. Honestly, yeah, probably is, and uh, it's it's one of the highest rated uh, basketball games in history, also. Oh yeah, for a while I think it was number one. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? I miss 
having that game too, that non-conference game in the middle of the conference slate, just kind of, it was it was such a big deal for people who don't remember or weren't around back then. Like the buildup to that game, oh yeah, was like the Super Bowl. It was like Duke Carolina esque on ESPN because I guess they had the game, so all the you know the pre rolls and the every yeah. show had yeah. to talk about it for a couple of segments. It was big time. Do you think once uh, Barnes and Penny are gone, Tennessee and Memphis will start playing every year? I would hope so. It's good for the state. It's good for both schools. Good for the state. There really are no losers when those two teams play. No, it's a huge money-making game, and you could you could play here, play Nashville, and play in Memphis, and it's rotated every year. Yeah, uh, I agree, and. and the, I mean, we didn't get that game in, in Nashville, which is a shame, but I, I thought that was the direction it was headed, Phil. I think that would have been good. Home and home is good. Uh, I don't care. The programs just need to play. Yeah. Was Tennessee going to be playing them tomorrow? Go ahead. We got about a minute, Philly. Go ahead. Is Tennessee going to be them tomorrow? Uh, uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, surely we're going to be up for it, right? Get Barn his his eight hundredth win, revenge factor. They better be. If not, ooh, that's a scary sign. Well, and with everything Philly that's riding on it from the conference title race perspective, you would think that this would be a big moment. Yeah, plus Arizona got beat last night. Tennessee slide on back up to number four. Ooh, a lot riding on it. It's a big one. It's no Tennessee Memphis one versus two, but it, it's pretty good. I don't have any surprises next week. Y'all had the Braves this week. What are you gonna have next week? Man, it's going to be hard to top the Bravos, Phil, but we're working on it. Sure. You smell cotton candy? Yes. That's a great smell. It's probably somebody's vape. Where did it come from? Oh, no. Is it? No. That's what it is, isn't it? No. no. Yeah, I guarantee it. I'm not saying it's Houston's vape. Maybe cotton candy? Eau de cotton candy? Mm, could be. But what I am saying uh, is it's probably somebody's vape. Quick timeout. The drive continues. Hour number three coming up. The drive. Are you ready to elevate?